Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 17th of March. Happy St. Paddy's Day to everybody, to my Irish brethren out there as well. Uh, yours truly. He's got some Irish in him. And uh, the Flyers are back in action tonight to take on Buffalo. We're going to preview Buffalo in just a moment. Danny Briere, uh, Flyers GM, interim GM, is going to join us in just a moment. So Flyers back tonight, game two of this seven-game homestand. They'll take on the Buffalo Sabres tonight. Actually, one of Danny Briere's former teams had a lot of success there. Came from Buffalo here to Philadelphia. And the Sabres, a team right now trying to end a playoff drought. Boy, it's been forever since Buffalo has made the playoffs. The rebuild in Buffalo has been at a snail's pace. The last time the Sabres were in the playoffs, they lost in the first round. It was all the way back in 2011. So if they miss again this year, it's now 12 straight years that a great hockey market like Buffalo has not made the postseason. We'll see if it happens. It's going to be a tough putt from here on out for them to get in. They're not in the greatest of positions to do so. Uh, they're 72 points uh, through... 67 games, a record of 33-28-6, and six. six points back of the New York Islanders, uh, but they do have three games in hand. Problem is they have two teams they have to jump now as well. One of them kind of easy to jump in the sense that they have two games in hand on the Caps and are one point back. Uh, they're one point back also of the Florida Panthers, and the Panthers one point ahead of them as well. So Buffalo's got a real, real, real uphill battle here to get into the playoffs in the final quarter of this season. To two points against the Flyers tonight will be paramount. When the Flyers played Buffalo back a couple months ago, it was the first career shutout for Sam Erson. That was all the way back on the 9th of January. It was a 4-0 shutout. Buffalo came into that game as the NHL's leading scoring team in the league. Since then, the Buffalo Sabres, since that game the Flyers played against them, have played 29 games. They had a record over those 29 of 13-12-4. They have averaged 3.34 goals per game, and they've allowed, this has been the problem, this is why they're only one game over Hockey 500 over that time, 3.89 goals allowed over those 29 games. That's not going to get it done. they got to clean that up. The Flyers, since that game against Buffalo, all the way back on the 9th where Ayerson got the shutout, they have a record of, it's 26 games, they have a record of 8-14-4. They have averaged 2.2 goals per game. Not enough. They actually have averaged giving up less goals per game than Buffalo at 3.4 goals per game. So Flyers, Sabres tonight. But on this episode, we're talking to the Flyers' new interim general manager. It is Danny Briere, and he joins us right now on Flyers Daily. Danny, how are you? Hi, Jason. I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm sure it's been a dizzying couple of days, and you head right off to the GM meetings. How's it been trying to encapsulate what it's been like since that moment happened when you've been named the, the interim GM? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind, um, no doubt about it. It's been crazy all over the place, but um, it's been fun. It's been super exciting. Um, you know, there's obviously not much we can do with the hockey team at this point as far as uh, trades and uh, really movement uh, other than recalls here and there. But um, it's exciting. It's getting trying to get the, uh, the staff in place and, um, you know, finding out what uh, slowly what we're going to do moving forward. Um, like I said, I'm super excited. It's not. It's one of those things, Dan. I know you used the word rebuild, but you do not want to rush to failure. Correct, and you got to be careful. Um, there's some, you know, big decisions coming. Lots of things to to consider. Um, you know, and we're we're going to start with uh, the people in in the office. Uh, 
you know, the people that are around us, our scouts, our player development, uh, our coaches, um, to at least give uh, our players the best chance to succeed the rest of the way. I remember we talked a a while back and I was trying to get you on and you and I were texting and you said, well, I can't come on at that time because I'm going to be in class. And I was taken back by that. Now we all know that you went to the Wharton School of Business at Penn and you've been preparing for this moment for a while. And while you were in school pretty recently, you knew you were kind of targeting this even as a player? Well, when I played, the, the management part is always the area that uh, that attracted me more more than the coaching. Um, I always saw myself more as a uh, the puzzle uh, maker, the, the guy that could move pieces around. That's always the area that interested me more than than the coaching. Um, you know, and, and some different personalities prefer the coaching because you're right in the action. You're right on the bench. You get to scream at the referees and the players. Um, so for me, it was more, you know, on the second floor, how to build a team. That's always the the area of interest that, that I had. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't think it would happen so soon, so fast. But um, I feel ready, to be honest with you. Um, and I've been around. I've been preparing for this for, for a lot of years, even when I played. So, uh, so it's, it's pretty exciting that way. There's a lot of younger GMs. A lot of guys are general managers in the league right now, Danny, that you played against and, you know, guys that are, are very in that same generation age-wise as you, you look at Julian Breezebot and just a year older than you, or Chris Drury yeah. uh, is also 46 or 45. Um, the only one that's significantly younger is, is Kyle Dubas at 37 years of age. Is this also like the NHL becoming a young man's element of the NHL? It, it, it seems like it. I, I don't know. There's still a, a lot of veteran GMs. I mean, David Poyle was, was just at the meeting with impressive in, in 40 year, 41 years uh, as a GM. That's, uh, you know, and then Lula Moriello, I think has 31, something like that. Um, Doug Armstrong. So there's guys that have been around a long, long time, and that's very impressive too. But yeah, you see, you start to see more guys. And that, I think that's part of the reason why I felt comfortable um, walking into the room uh, this last week. Um, the funny part is, you know, Chris uh, Drury, uh, Mike Greer, and I all played on the same team in Buffalo. And, yeah. you know, on that team, you also had Brian Campbell, who's an assistant GM in, in Chicago, and uh, Jay McKee, who's climbing in the, in the coaching world. Uh, so there, there's a lot of guys that seem on, on that team that were uh, starting to build on some future uh, uh, NHL management careers. Um, so that, that made me feel more at ease. Uh, coming in, you know, Kevin Adams had played against him, Rob Blake, Bill Guerin, et cetera. There's so many guys that I've played against too that, um, you know, made me feel a little better walking in the room. I see, you mentioned, you know, Doug Armstrong and some of those guys, and they started their career when they were your age, 44, 45 years old, and they've been around for a long time. H- having that camaraderie to be able to pick up the phone to try and make deals or talk about things uh, with other GMs and having that camaraderie and, and, you know, kind of being the same age, I imagine that's a, a comfort level for you and something that you probably experienced at your first GM meetings this week. Yeah, it's it's starting to create the relationships uh, with the with the other GM. And that's why I think the timing was perfect. I was named and then two days later, I was down in Florida with uh, with uh, the other 31 GMs. So uh, right away, I was thrust in the fire, I got to meet them. And instead of getting on the phone to try to connect with someone. I got to meet them face to face for the first time, all of them. Um, and it's a, it's a lot easier to, to start creating relationships. So I'm very thankful the, 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 of the time. Um, Danny, one of the things when, when this interim tag is removed and I fully believe it is, and 
if I have a vote, I will have it removed. Um, what are the qualities you're looking for in your staff around you? Maybe a president that comes in and, you know, the people that are in your inner circle. What are, what are the mm -hmm. particular qualities in person and competitor knowledge and all that? What are you looking for yeah. in that staff? Well, communication is is, is a key to me. Um, I totally agree. You know, working, working together, I think, is extremely important. Um because we're going to have to reconnect with with our fans, um, you know, moving forward. It's it's going to be a process, but it's going to be important to communicate that very well. But uh, more than that, too, is, um, you know, I, I played hockey. Everything was about the team, team first mentality whenever whenever you played on a team. And that's that's kind of my approach to things with our staff. The, the players can feel that if you're not all on the same team. Uh, whether you're upstairs or your scouts or your player development, it's important that everybody works together uh, with the same unified goal. So that's that's going to be a key criteria to uh, to start with. And respect all the people, no matter where they are in that in that kind of in that group that's all trying to win. I mean, that's go that goes to trainers and and medical everybody. You got to have that respect that flies around because if you don't, that can be a poison. Um, let me ask you totally about right. Yeah, I mean, you've always been. A, an incredibly generally guy um, a GM at times needs to yield the hammer. Sometimes he needs mm -hmm. to go in the room and have a little screaming session. Is that <laughs> something, I mean, you got to be yourself, but is that something you were such an intense competitor? Is that an element that you will bring to the table is, is once in a while, you got to be, you got to be a mean guy. You got to be, you got to go like well, Tony Montana, say good night to the bad guy. <laughs> it might happen. I, I hope I don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, but I've had to do it as a player at times. Uh, here and there. Um, I, I hope I have a, a good enough sense of when that needs to be done. But at the same time, you know, ho hopefully it's, uh, it's not needed. Uh, but I'm not worried about that. I, I know I can do that. I, I know I can uh, make the, the hard decisions when they need to be made. Um, it's not always fun, but, um, you know, it, it's going to have to happen here and there. Um, you know, and I, I'm willing to, uh, to do that. I'm prepared for that. You know, Torts, it's interesting because early in his career, he was a guy that would really get the flamethrower out very often. He seems much more cerebral, philosophical now, really picks his spots. And you, he's mentioned you a number of times throughout the season since his hiring as a guy he loves talking hockey with. How's that relationship with John Tortorella as the head coach and moving forward? It's been good from, from the get-go. Um, I was really impressed with him last summer when we went through the the interview process um and, and we we interviewed some really good coaches around the league that were available it just happened to be that way like last summer we we were spoiled with with so many good coaches um and and i'm sure a lot of them could have coached the flyers and and done a good job but i think for what was needed at the time what we were searching for what we wanted to build there's there's no better coach uh in the moment than john tortorella and i still feel that way today um, him and I, I, I feel have a great relationship. I, I played under him. He was an assistant coach when I, uh, when I started in Phoenix, Arizona in the late nineties. So I've known John a long, long time. Um, you know, and, and there's still things that, um, really I'm, I get to, to discover about him. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun working with him the last few days and, and I hope it's going to last for a long time because I, I really believe in him. And he really has evolved quite a bit, hasn't he, Danny? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. And you know, sometimes the what's out there, the perceptions that are out there on yeah. on John are are totally wrong. Uh, people assume going in that 
Um, you know, he wouldn't work well with, with some of the young guys. And you look at the development of some of our young guys. I, I think of the Noah Cates, uh, Owen Pippett, Morgan Frost, Cam York, uh, even Carter Hart and uh, our goaltending group, uh, how well they've played for us. So um, I, I give him credit for that. Uh, I don't think too many people thought that uh, John was, was going to develop those young guys as well as, as he did. So um, it, it's been impressive. And I think the perception out there uh, of him is, is slowly changing. Yeah, I agree. Cause, and it's a lot of those media availabilities that he does where he's very transparent. I mean, he's developed players all through his career. I mean, Cavalier mm-hmm. was going to be a great player, but those two really went at it. And you look more recently at a Warinsky, who you would think would be a guy maybe that would drive him crazy. The block shot mentality of defense that he gets up the ice. So um, yeah. let me ask you about your philosophy on the game today, because we know this Flyers team, Danny's really struggling to score. It's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of the organizational philosophy has been to go uh, in years of late, you know, recently has been to go for that 200 by 85 player that can defend in all zones, punching some yeah. offense when needed. But so there's a lack of pure goal scoring. The guy that can jump over the boards and just scare the, you know, what out of the opposition because he can make something happen offensively. What's your philosophy yeah. on players for today's NHL? Well, we're, you know, and, and it's not, I think for us, it's not just goal scoring, but just creating offense in, in general, it's been a little tougher. So, Moving forward, there's definitely going to be have to be a need on, uh, you know, a search a little deeper on creating offense. Uh, but but if you look back, I think last summer, what was important? One of the key that was for us was to kind of rebuild the. the, the Torts calls it the, the standard. I, I I use the word culture as well. Whatever you want to use, but um, I think we had lost that along the way the last couple of years, and and you don't realize how important it is until you lose it. Um, now, in the process of, of changing that, um, you know, we've we've lost some really key offensive players. You think of the Claude Giroux and, and uh, Jake Voracek, especially that were driving offense for us for so many years. Um, you know, those those players are tough to find. Um, but we focused a little bit more on on rebuilding our character or standard or culture, whatever word you want to use. Um, and then. Once that that is getting in, in place the way it has been this year, slowly we're going to try to bring in, um, you know, a little bit more skill, uh, a little bit more offense and, and hockey sense to, to our lineup eventually. But it's going to take time. It's not going to be um, – what I'm trying to do is not cut corners and um, be careful in who we bring in and make sure it's a good fit with the rest of the team. You know, the odd thing is, is in 06, 07, the Flyers had that really horrible season. That offseason you signed here, Paul Holmgren traded Peter Forsberg to Nashville and traded the picks back, Akimo Tiemann and Scott Hartnell. And you guys went to a conference final. That quick fix is probably not in order, is it? Well, it's rarity. tougher. Yeah, and it's it's tougher to do now. Yeah. Um, there's less and less free agents, uh, high-end free agents that are uh, that are free. If you look at that year, you know, you have he brought in uh, also Jason Smith and Jeffrey mm-hmm. Lupol uh, in in trades as well. So I mean, he, he completely revamped the team um, really quickly. This is it, it's getting tougher and tougher to do now um, with all every team being closer to the cap. Uh, not very many free agents, high end free agents being available anymore. Um, so I mean, we, like I said, we can cut corners and, and try to find secondary. Uh, players, but that's not the way I want to go. Um, I want to make sure we build from from the ground up. Let our young guys develop. We 
we haven't seen that very much in, in the history of the Flyers. So it's going to take time. But I, I believe in being upfront and honest with, uh, with our fan base. Danny, one of the things is, you know, fans really always want to put a timeline on things. And you say rebuild and you go, is, is a rebuild three years, five years, eight mm-hmm. years? And it, But to me, I don't think you can put a timeline on it because you no. don't know how things just variables that come along the way. Exactly. It's it's tough to, to put uh, a timeline on it. Um, I mean, the, the turnaround is gonna not going to be next year or the year after. Those are probably going to be tougher years. Uh, but but I hope that we start seeing um, the following year a trend in the right direction. Um, when are we uh, Stanley Cup contenders? Uh, only time will tell. To me, what's more important is is the way we develop our our young players. Um, give them the chance to play a lot of minutes, uh, push to get their game to the limit, um, where they they're not going to have to to sit and watch the game because at the NHL level it's all about wins. Um, so I want to give the chance, like, a little bit like we did with Cam York early in the year. We yeah. gave him the chance to go in the minors, play 25 minutes a night, play against the top line, uh, five on five, play on the first. Uh, power play in the first PK unit. He really got to round up his game, round out his game. And, you know, the, the Cam York that we we see now is totally different than the Cam York that we saw early in the year. So um, to me, that was really an eye opener to to see his development. Um, I'm a big believer. Uh, we've seen the Claude Giroux spend half a year in the minors and the way he developed. Myself, early in my career, I spent four years in the minors. So I, I see that there's, you know, it's not a rule that applies to everyone, but sometimes it's it's very important, and that's uh, that's what we're going to have to try to find to make sure that the players we're developing are not good um, just next year for us, but year five to ten from now that they're they're the best that they can be. Yeah, it's all about sustainability. Let me ask you about goaltending because you brought up Carter, and he's had such a good year. We've seen Sam Harrison really jump up into the forefront as well, and I've always had this kind of weird debate in my own mind. You know how I think about goaltending is, you know, in a rebuild, I actually think goaltending is important. And here's why, because I think it's really hard to measure your team if you're not getting goaltending. Cause you played on teams, Danny, where if every time you make a mistake, you're pulling it out of the back of your net, you really can't play the game properly. So you got to yeah. have the faith that there's a guy back there that can keep you in games. And to me, you know, making that a substandard position while you're going through a rebuild really does does you a disservice in a lot of ways because it's hard to measure what your team is in competitive situations. Yeah, and I, w- I would go even further. I mean, it's tough at any time. I played in, I was so lucky to play in front of some great goaltenders over the course of my career. The Sean Burke and Nikolai Habibulin were at the top of their games when I was in Phoenix. Uh, Ryan Meller in Buffalo, uh, mm. Carey Price uh, in Montreal. So I, w- I was very fortunate that way. Um, but yeah, goaltending and, and you know, what's so exciting, uh, for us is, uh, you know, the future, looking at the future with the uh, Flyers goaltending, the, the, the goaltenders that we have, you know, in the system, starting with Carter Hart, you mentioned Sam Erson, how good, Kolosov. Yeah. you know, Kolosov coming, even Felix Sandstrom, um, he's had a hard time finding a way to win games, but he, he's had some really so- solid outings. Um, he's still, uh, he's still young. He's still fairly young. Um, you know, he, he's not at his peak yet. So, um, no, it's, it's exciting in, in the flyer system to have so many good young goaltenders, uh, all at the same time. And it's, it's something that I would like to keep going, make sure we, we have, 
in the future, some, some good one coming and, and keep the stable strong there. So that's going to be a key for us. Yeah, you can never have enough depth at that position because if one injury or something happens and then all of a sudden you're in That's real right. bad shape. It's it's a hard one though, be too, because there's only one net. <laughs> so it's it's a tough one to kind of <laughs> prognosticate. Um and it's the, the things- it's it's the reason. That's the reason why Sam Merson is also in Lehigh Valley. He gets yeah. to play every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's the key for for his own development. I'm sure he could play on most NHL team uh starting tonight, but um, for us, we feel it's more important that he gets the net and he doesn't have to share the net with Carter Hart. Yeah, that's well said. Um, you mentioned uh, before that, you know, you're a collaborator and what you're looking for in a staff. A lot's been made about the quote unquote senior advisors uh, and you know, Bob Clark, Bill Barber, Paul Holmgren, who have all been in the game a very long time. Um, that collaboration ultimately, you know, getting outside opinions is good but you have to stand on your your own decisions how do you navigate this situation yeah well first of all i i respect those guys tremendously um you know and and i think they have a lot of knowledge uh to bring to the table so you have to be careful um you know i i I want i want them um to let me know what what they think uh but at the end of the day i'm i'm gonna have to make the decision i'm you know i'm i'm the one in in charge and it's going to be my name on on the decision so um but uh, you know i they are there they have a vast amount of knowledge um and you know they're not going to be the only ones there's going to be uh, other people involved uh, as well so I, I plan on surrounding myself uh with with many good people the you know the more the merrier um i want opinions i, I like to work with people uh, but at the end of the day yeah i'm i'm the one who's going to make the ultimate decision um you know, the NHL draft lottery is something that you guys will obviously be involved in. You have the the fifth best odds at the moment of 8.5% to land the top overall pick, uh, second overall pick as well, and then either uh, five, uh, four, or five, four, five, or six. You can't get uh, three or four, something like that. I don't know. It's so confusing. But have you been a lucky guy in your life? You know, we all have friends, Danny. You go, this guy, what is with this guy? Everything, everything he touches goes to gold. Everything good happens to him. And you have the other guy who you go, oh, my God, did you have the worst luck? Like your car gets hit parking lot, you know, all that. Where do you fall on the luck, the luck scale or the curve? I, I've been pretty fortunate in my life. I think I uh, <laughs> had my fair share of luck uh, just looking at my career. So I would say I'm, I'm, I feel pretty lucky uh, to have had the, the life and the career in hockey that I've had. So. I, I, I would say probably uh, on the lucky side, um, you know, and then those odds are going to change. We're, we're, you know, we're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games. So the teams are, are going to go through the same process. So it's yeah. a little early, um, you know, and, and, and the message to uh, our players and, and our coaches is to play as hard as they can. We're trying to build uh, for the future. Um, you know, I, I, I really believe in karma as well. Uh, you start telling your guys to to not work as hard because we want a better pick is not going to work out. Karma is going to get you. So I, I want our team to to play hard, give it all they got. And, you know, we'll deal. I mean, it's a lottery at the end of the year. The odds, you know, from between five, six and seven, I think there's one percent chance. So, um, you know, we, we want to try to uh, to play as hard as we can and build the right way. I, I totally believe in sports karma. Do not upset the hockey gods because that's you right. <laughs> you had to go into the bleachers at a local rink and clean out to, as a penance. It's no fun. Um, are you ready for the stress of wins and losses again, Danny? You don't have a gray hair in that head. Are we going to get one? I, I told my wife to take some pictures before they start <laughs> coming. 
Um, they, there's a few here and there. They, they just stay underneath for now, but I, I, I'm sure they're going to start coming out at some point. But it's good to get back into that, that element too of, you know, one of the reasons you're a competitor is because they do plug in that scoreboard and it means something to win. And, you know, sometimes when you lose, you know, winning all the time is no fun. You have to lose to really enjoy to win. To, to appreciate it. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. And um, yeah, I, I'm excited about that. It's going to be fun to, to be involved, even, uh, you know, the first two games uh, that, I, that I, after I got the promotion, um, I, you know, I, I, I was hoping for, for comebacks late in the games and try to tie it up. And I, it did get emotional. So um, it's pretty cool. It's something I um, kind of fed off of all, all my life, you know, uh, it, the big moments, the moments that mattered. Um, so I'm looking forward for us in the future to play some, some big important games. Well, you got the Sabres, one of your former teams coming in uh, the Wells Fargo center next. So that's a great thing as well. Uh, Danny, congratulations. Thanks for doing this as always. We really appreciate it. And from my mouth to every fan saying the same thing, best of luck, man. We really appreciate it. And we're hoping for great things. Well, thank you. And uh, I appreciate our fan base being, uh, being so passionate. I'm, I'm excited about the future and I hope they, they are as well. Thanks to Danny Briere for taking the time to join us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Hope everybody enjoyed the conversation and we'll be back tomorrow with another brand new episode and a Flyers Sabres breakdown and a Carolina Flyers preview. That's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Flyers Daily. Everybody enjoy your Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, come tell me, Sean O'Farrell, tell me why you hurry so. Hush a bogle, hush and listen, and his cheeks were all aglow. I bear orders from the captain, get you ready quick and soon. For the pikes must be together at the rising of the moon, at the rising.